recording. Hello, everybody. This is Brian Koo Show. I'm your host, Brian Koo. Today is April 7th, and uh, this will be episode 11. I've been meaning to have this guy on my show for a very, very, very long time. Uh, uh, but finally, we made it happen. One and only, Luke Shea. How are you doing, Luke? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Brian. Do you very mean excited that? to be on the show. Are you sure? Yes. Absolutely. You can be honest. This is this is this is an honest. Show. No, I've been I've been excited. I think it's just been you know it's been a little challenging in terms of schedule. Yeah. Um, to get things lined up, but uh, very excited to be finally be here. I know Luke, uh, because we went to the same college. You are you are, I was an 09. You were a class of ten, yes. and I think there's a. I wonder if I can put a put a link to this thing. I think I think, uh, the 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 kind of milestone of our of of our friendship. Is that that infamous slash funny photo from New York? Yes. Uh, that was like what 2011. I think this sounds about right. Yeah, like we were at a house party. Whose house party was it? Was it like Sandra's? Was it yeah Sandra's or Armand? No, yes. Or maybe it was Armand. I don't think it was Armand. I don't think I, I, I I'm not that close to Armand. I don't think he ever invited me to his parties. Um, but uh, yeah, it was one of those like you know yeah. New Yorker parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You weren't even in New York back then. It was then. Jason or someone. Was, was it, it Jason? Is it one of the maybe. PBs? No, no, Jason was maybe. still in school back then, I think. Oh, right. Uh, maybe, mm. I, maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, like, yeah, we were at a, at, at a, at a party. And uh, I think yeah, it was me or you. It was like somebody was like, oh, like, you, know, you should go talk to, like, uh, Brian. It's like, who's Brian? It's like, oh, it's that Asian guy. It's like, which Asian guy? It's like, it's an Asian guy in a, in a, in a, with glasses. Like, which Asian guy with glasses? <laughs> it's the Asian guy with blue, uh, glasses with a blue plaid shirt. And it's like, which Asian guy <laughs> with glasses and a blue plaid shirt? Because uh, we were, you know. We're both in a man of style, right? Exactly. And we were wearing the same shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, we did take a photo from that. And I feel like whenever Facebook brings it back up, I, I, yep. I share it fondly. That was a long time ago. It was. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's, that's 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 how I know Luke. And uh, and uh, yeah. But uh, again, going back to you know your busy life, you were most recently in Vegas. Yes. What were you doing in Vegas, Luke? Uh, so one of my, uh, fun partners, um, he had a bunch of comps. Comps? Yeah. What's a comp? Uh, comp, compl- comped rooms, so complimentary rooms. Right. Um, because the previous time he went, he was up a good amount on Vegas. Oh, so, so they want to take their money back. Exactly. Right. Casinos try to get you back to win their money back. Hmm. Yeah. They never, uh, they never did that for me cause I never won any money in Vegas. Um, I mean, was is he like a big gambler? Is like they play like poker or blackjack? Uh, baccarat. Oh my god! Yeah, this guy's a this guy's a gambler. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he's good. He was up again this trip, so Damn. he got he got more cops now. Nice. It's just it's just gifts that keep on giving. Yep. Um. So you were saying it's a fund partner. What fund are you talking about, Luke? So I'm la- I'm launching a uh, cryptocurrency investment fund. Mm-hmm called Cypher Alpha, where we will focus on primarily investing into ICOs right. as early as possible. So it could be uh, taking uh, seed stage equity mm-hmm. in the project before they even do a token sale, or it could be um, in the pre-sale round of their token sale. Okay. And, uh, and uh, why did you decide to do this? Uh, so a couple of reasons. Um, so, you know, so... I first got involved with cryptocurrencies back in 2014, basically. That's pretty early. 
uh it it's 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 i would say medium you know some of the people got in got involved in like 11 12 13 uh super cool. early but cool. um yeah i think for me uh you know i i bought a few bitcoins back then but right after i bought them basically the i think the week or two after uh mount the mount gox happened and so the what price so mount gox was the uh dominant exchange back then mm-hmm. um and so that exchange got hacked and had a lot of bitcoin stolen how much bitcoin are we talking about uh, if you could convert it to dollar values at the time uh, we're we talking sure. like a couple billions or like 50 million no it was um so 65 so 65 million at the time all right um which was about uh 850,000 bitcoin oh damn that's a lot so yeah wait and so you're saying you got him before or after i got him before but not luckily i actually bought mine on coinbase which was just a super early startup at the time so coinbase was an early startup back then yeah coinbase is basically had basically you know just started it was like it's the fresh sf outfit mm-hmm. and so you know they were they they already had i think good brand and credibility back then but it, at the same time right it was a startup and having worked at startups i knew how much of a shit show it can be right uh but there was no better alternative and so luckily i didn't have any bitcoins in gox right. um so i didn't lose any but with the uh, the price collapse that followed, it almost didn't matter. Hmm. So that's how you got into cryptocurrency first. Yes. 2014. Yes. With a little bit of Bitcoin. Yep. So how how did it lead to this point? So so after that, uh, I basically uh, actually basically looked away from the space for uh, for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, in part because you know back back then the only viable real world use cases was Silk Road, Black Market, uh, all, all buying drugs. <laughs> yeah, so Silk Road and, and what's the other one? Um, Just like Black Market ac- activities. Right, right, so this is like your, what they call like a, a, a dark internet or what? what dark what, web. Dark, dark web. web. Yeah. It doesn't show up on Google search. Correct. Deal like drugs, like put a hit on people, all kinds of shit like that, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, continue. So it was really back in uh, back in 2016. Um, I was doing advisory work for a large global retailer, mm-hmm. and uh, so I was building out a kind of a future technology forecast for them. And one of the the spaces we looked at was blockchain mm-hmm. and cryptocurrencies. Right. Um, and you know, even then, I still kind of had the uh, almost bias, I think, of still thinking it's you know this is. I've looked at this before. It's just mainly used for like, uh, you know, like for bad hombres. For bad, yeah, for bad hombres. Yeah, for bad hombres. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so just kind of you know put some research together. Uh, went to some of the panels at South by Southwest. Um, there was a cryptocurrency panel at South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was back in 2016, I think, and it had there. There's been events uh for a while, I think, because you know because South by being South by, um, have you know they're they have a very open culture regarding uh just general topics right right so um so so i think they've had crypto events for a long time mm-hmm. and it was interesting that year because there there was you know a senator on one panel there was um someone from the uh cftc what's cftc commodity About- futures trading commission okay it's All one right. of the so the cftc and the sec are kind of the two uh 
kind of financial services regulatory bodies in the U.S. Uh-huh. And so they, you know, uh, jumping on the side, but they, uh, they, they've been regulating cryptocurrencies and right. they kind of, the two agencies have kind of turf wars with each other as well, which makes the whole dynamic very interesting. Sounds like finance. So um, you're working for a retailer looking for the kind of future technologies yep. and one of it was blockchain slash cryptocurrency yep. and that kind of got you, got you back in the game. Correct. And how did it grow from there? So that's, you know, we're talking mid 2016, late 2016 early 2016 that was about mid 2016 right um, so that was a year and a half ago or i guess almost two years ago yeah yeah like just tell me the, the past two years then uh yeah so i think in the past two years um became a lot more active on the investing side uh-huh um so and so basically you know uh just kind of you know starting back up with bitcoin ethereum mm-hmm. and uh you know in last year with the rise of icos i started focusing um a lot more on icos mm-hmm. and started investing heavily into icos mm-hmm. um at first you know just just like everybody else in in the in what's called the public sale where mm-hmm. basically anybody can invest um and then moving uh earlier and earlier mm-hmm. um into you know into uh these private presales right okay oh oops, sorry about that um interesting okay and uh, so what 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 was the turning point like now you're you're working on launching your own fund correct not an ico your funds correct you're investing in icos correct what uh what what, what changed your mind and like made made you take this leap um, so I think a couple of different factors. One is, you know, because I've been investing ICOs for a while, I mm-hmm. have access to uh, top tier deal flow mm-hmm. and um, have made a lot of good friends in the space um, who are, you know, who are some of the, uh, you know, experts in their respective areas mm-hmm. and um, and have seen a lot uh, in the space. Right. And, you know, I think for me, um, it's because to, to have that this access, I actually... Uh, you know, there are many opportunities where um, I have allocations that are potentially larger than, you know, than, than definitely than I can fill or, um, you know, some of my colleagues can fill. Mm-hmm. And so I think it makes sense to kind of to to scale up mm-hmm. um, to fill these allocations. And also I have, you know, a lot of friends um, who are very interested in the space, but not necessarily don't necessarily have the time mm-hmm. uh, or the energy to kind of keep up with the 24-7 world of cryptocurrencies. So you you said allocations. What does that mean? It's like a quota? So so what that means is, so the way uh, it kind of works is that, you know, say you're running ICO. Uh-huh. Um, you have a you have a bunch of interested investors. Right. Right. And then you start carving out portions of what you, the, the total funds that you're raising mm-hmm. to each of these investors. Right, that's the allocation. That's an and allocation. you're saying that's getting that was getting too big for you to individually fill, which kind of made you feel like there was a necessity for start a fund so you can fill those more. Yeah, yeah. I think it's basically it's you know I have access to fund fund sized allocations, um, so fund I might as well make use huh? of them. Oh, like like bite size allocation <laughs> for for smaller investors. Yeah. Um, that's kind of your journey for most. <laughs> people they wouldn't have understand like a single thing you know i've done some research and i I think i really enjoy interacting with you and maybe zong 
and maybe a couple other guys online on Facebook. Whenever I see cryptocurrency news, I I, I make it a point to, to tag you. Uh, every every time Bitcoin crashes, basically, or Jamie Dimon says something, yeah. it's, it's a huge source of entertainment for me. Um, <laughs> but it obviously is a, is, a, is a very big deal. It's a, it's a pretty revolutionary technology. Yep. Um, and I think you know it's one of the hottest topics of you know past couple of years. Absolutely. I mean, granted that it's been around for a lot longer than that. Yep. I was uh, hoping that you. could unpack and like explain some of these basic concepts sure. in a very simple term because i'm sure you do this all the time now <laughs> to, to draw in your rich saudi arabian princes and and and, and chinese uh, uh crazy rich asians more uh, mit classmates sure <laughs> cryptocurrency yep what is that sure um so cryptocurrencies at its most basic form it's digital currency right um that is used for something right it's like just like any any currency technically it's, it's a it's, it's a currency to spend on something it has value yes right. correct yeah so so kind of the three kind of tenants are um store of value mm -hmm. uh medium of exchange and unit what, what, of account what's the second part medium of exchange what does that mean so think cash right mm -hmm. you exchange cash for something right so that's the so cash is a medium for ex I see, of I exchange see. for exchange mm -hmm. um uh so store value um the 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 general kind of example given for store value is you think about gold uh-huh right um so gold is so store value uh you know i think at the most basic level means that this thing has value mm -hmm. above what I think most people think about would be its intrinsic value, mm -hmm. right? And 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 it's it has it because it's recognized by people as having. Value. It's an agreement, basically. Yes. Yeah. Because yes. like you know the currency that we use in America, for instance, yep. is this paper. Yep. It's just paper. Like that, they, they, their values are definitely definitely higher than their intrinsic value. Although I did hear that uh, um, pennies, actually, their intrinsic value might be higher than one cent now as a, as a appreciation of uh, precious metals or metals that are going up. What would be like a next, I guess, like a, a, a obvious so, next step? Yeah, so let me speak a bit more about that. So so those are kind of the three basic tenets. But mm -hmm. um, I think part of what makes cryptocurrencies unique is that they run on um, distributed, distributed ledger technologies. Mm -hmm. so, so you're going to blockchain right now. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so commonly that's referred to as blockchain, um, although there are some newer technologies like Hashgraph that aren't, technically using a blockchain interesting okay um but the general idea is you know with distributed ledger technologies slash blockchain blockchains is that um it's a it's basically a very simple database mm -hmm. but it's one that is uh immutable and so what that means is once you make an entry in that database mm -hmm. it cannot be edited it cannot be deleted it cannot be revised right and so every entry is permanent uh-huh and when you make that entry um there and for example let's say that entry is a transaction mm -hmm. right Let, let's say the transaction is you know i sent you brian mm -hmm. five dollars right um then that transaction is actually verified by the entire network of uh blockchain nodes and to be uh and verified to be true before right. it is before it is put into the database you, you, you refer to it as like distributed ledger yep because that's what it is right like that's i think that's why blockchain so I, I think that the important thing that a lot of people don't understand and i think it's important 
part of this discussion is that blockchain and cryptocurrency are not the same thing. Correct. And a blockchain is a technology behind a cryptocurrency. Correct. Because like normal currency is is, is backed and and uh, and I guess uh, had the kind of ledger system through just traditional counting. Exactly. Like these, that's why we have banks to make sure that like okay, this money exists here and that this money exists there. Exactly. You put in the money, we know that money's there. Um, and I guess we take that for granted, so it might not even be a concept for people, yep. but it is. And that's why, you know, and largely why these banks hold value as financial yep. institutions. And you're saying that in blockchain, uh, that function is transferred to... To the distributed network. Distributed network. And right. these are literally just, what, like computers? Like computers. people's computers? Yep, computers that people run. Right. Um, in, in in some ways, you can think of it like uh, it's the same kind of technology that Bit- BitTorrent was built on. Right. Oh, I didn't know that was how BitTorrent worked. Yeah. Interesting. Because when you're downloading a file on BitTorrent, right, you're downloading from hundreds of computers around the world. Right, the networks. Right. Yeah. Uh, I never thought about that. I didn't know that. I never yeah. actually heard that example before. Yeah. Oh, you know your shit, Luke. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so um, that's blockchain. Yeah. So I, I would actually say, yeah. So another way to think about, for people to think about blockchain is, is accounting 3.0. And so what mm. I mean by that is accounting 1.0 is basically, you know, in ancient times when you had a king scribe that uh-huh. would write down uh you know let's just say transactions for sake of simplicity right right and uh it was it's 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 basically one-sided accounting where that was the only record of that transaction right if you got to the piece of paper the king scribe wrote on and erased it then that transaction is not had never happened basically by all accounts Mm -hmm. right um and then you fast forward to the 1400s um with you know, with the uh, Italians and global trade, mm-hmm. um, and you have uh, two-sided accounting, where like du- yeah, double. What did they call, they call it? Two-sided accounting, double-sided accounting, double-sided accounting. Uh-huh. Yeah, and double ledger accounting. Uh, I think th- there's multiple names for right. it, but b- the basic concept is that you know, let's say you're you're a captain of a a ship, mm-hmm. right? That that had some exotic spices, mm-hmm. and then you want to sell that to a merchant, mm-hmm. um, and so. So then, you know, the merchant has their own ledger and you have your ledger and mm-hmm. you both um, record, you know, the transaction. Right. right? And, so, and then so, so then what you want to happen always is that the two, the, two, the two separate ledgers, your ledger and the merchant's ledger, the transactions match up in right. terms of price amount, et cetera. Right. Right. Um, but, but this requires trust. Right? right. This requires that you're trusting that they're not essentially what we're calling what we call now cooking their books right, right and vice versa and uh-huh. that's and so from the 1400s till now mm-hmm. it's still the same system right it's yeah. just moved from you know pen and parchment into uh excel files for the most part right right this is why we have you know the big four auditing firms kpmg right. deloitte mm-hmm. uh you know ernst and young etc that you know make hundreds of millions of dollars just auditing every year yeah to make sure that you know uh, company A's ledger matches company B's ledger. Right. And you know what? They almost never do. Right. Right. And so so this is where um, blockchain becomes really interesting because, and this is where it's, it's you know, I like to call accounting 3.0 in uh-huh. that it, one of the unique things about blockchain is with these, you know, these, these nodes that, that you don't know who they are, right? Verifying right. the transaction. Mm-hmm. It's much harder to, uh, you know, cook the books or commit this type of fraud or, and, right. and also many types of frauds, mm-hmm. right? Is because you're building, you're building the, you no longer have a need to trust the other party. It's automatic. Yeah. The trust is built into the system itself in right. which you are doing the transactions. Mm-hmm. 
And that's what's so powerful about it. Yeah. So that effectively means, again, I think that's what's you know really great about blockchain and why it's an amazing technology. Um, yeah, because like it, it gets rid of the middleman of and like especially the standard. Time. I don't. I guess I've shared my opinion with like I'm not very trustful of a lot of financial institution for many reasons. It'll make them it's, a lot of them essentially obsolete. And I didn't even think about the accounting part, but like I guess once this happens, there'll be much less need for any type of accounting or auditing. Absolutely, it'll be automatic. Yeah, accounting, auditing, any back office function. I think um, once you know blockchain is implemented at scale. Uh, will be significantly reduced. It, There's no longer the, oh, the check got lost in the mail. Right. The check, you know, the funds are either in my wallet, in which case it was not sent successfully, or they're in your wallet, in which case they're sent successfully. Right. There is basically no longer a uh, a kind of middle ambiguous state. Glad we got to that point because I think that shows like the good part and why uh, a blockchain and cryptocurrency at large is, is a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. It'll be easier to transfer money to other countries too. With exactly. Technology, right. Yeah. I mean, um, even now it's, you know, for me to send funds to someone in, let's say China or Japan or Europe, uh-huh. right. With the traditional banking system. First of all, I have to wait till it's a weekday. Right. And then be on the West coast. We have to do it, you know, before I think generally it's like, noon east coast time to send a wire out the same day right to pay twenty dollars i have to make sure like all you know get get their banking information yeah uh and then i have to send the request and you know it works sometimes or sometimes it's three four days later and the wire still hasn't gone out and you're like where is the wire right and it's been routed through three four banks for nobody knows what reason right right whereas with you know with uh with cryptocurrencies I can send it to someone in the span of seconds or minutes. Right. And it'll be a lot more reliable. Yes. Um, and I heard that like there's an application to like, you know, in terms of like sign in and privacy and stuff too. Like, yep. uh, again, because it's, 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 uh, it becomes, it brings a lot more transparency to transactions uh, and, uh, and these technologies. So these are all like really good things. Yes. Yeah. So, so transparency is actually a huge part because the, because the, um, the blockchain, right? So the, the simple database is, a history of uh, transactions that can't be edited. Mm-hmm. You can actually you can actually trace back like the entire history if you want to, mm-hmm. right? So you can see where all these funds came from, mm-hmm. right? So when you think about yeah, like anti money laundering, um, it's actually good because you can because unlike you know with traditional banking system, like at most you can trace back maybe one or two transactions and then you have no idea basically where the money comes from. <laughs> right. Because right. there'll be a bank in like Eastern Europe or something where uh-huh. there's no relationship. Right. Um, but with the blockchain, you can, you know, the, the, so the interesting thing, at least for, for let's talk about, let's go with Bitcoin, Bitcoin first as an, as an example. Sure. In that, you know, you can trace all the transactions, but the privacy, it's pseudo anonymous, anonymous in the sense that you don't know who holds these particular wallets. Right. But you can see every transaction from every wallet. I see. But I think we, we covered a, a blockchain pretty well, thanks to you, uh, a true expert in the field. One quick aside on the currency aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting you bring that up because there's actually, I think, discussion and debate um, among, I think, you know, people in crypto and also regulators on what exactly are these things. Right? <laughs> are they currencies? Oh, interesting. So there's um, a discussion whether cryptocurrency is a currency. Yeah, because I think the more the more probably correct term is crypto assets. Because I was going to say, it does feel like an asset the way it's being used right now. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because, for example, um, because if you're going to call these currencies, right, then 
our airline miles currencies, right? Our right. our reward program points currencies. Um, uh-huh. You know w- what defines a currency, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Tell me more. Starting from the top, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, currencies are um, you know are more mediums of exchange, right? Right. Um, they're not necessary. They're 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 yeah, they're they're store of value. Um, not this day. Back in the coin and the gold coin days, they right, did right. Right. Yeah. These days, less so. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then uh, they are units of account. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like you know, accounting, for example, is done it's an in USD, RMB, etc. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, uh, so you know, cryptocurrencies can, can be these things, but you know, like you touched on before, they are very volatile. Right. Which, at least right now don't necessarily make them great for these things. Right, because if, right. if it's a currency, you want it to be fairly stable. Exactly. So that, like, it, it stays so that you can value something against it. Yep. The common joke within crypto is that, you know, if you're buying a cup of coffee or you're giving your kid an allow- a monthly allowance, uh-huh. um, then if you're using Bitcoin, it's like, well, okay, how much is that cup of coffee? Well, it's like, you know, two... Two twenty two two ten thousandth of a bitcoin, uh-huh. right? Uh, right now, oh, actually, now it's three ten three ten thousand of bitcoin, right? So it just gone up by fifty percent, or it's like, oh, hey, now it's uh, you know, one ten thousandth of a bitcoin, <laughs> um, and you know, s- same thing for a weekly allowance, etc. Right, um, because it's very volatile, it's actually really hard to use it as currency, and also because these because cryptocurrency in general are appreciating over time, mm-hmm. um. It's it's what's called a bear asset, which means that you know people that hold these assets prefer to hold them instead of using them, because mm, mm, mm. because for example, if I you know if I paid for uh, let's say a car with Bitcoin mm-hmm. last year, uh, and I got what last year, so I got let's say like a old Honda Civic, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, I could have gotten if I paid versus if I paid for it now, I could have gotten like a, at least like a used, uh, you know, uh, BMW 3 Series. Right. And if, if I paid for it back in January, I could have gotten a brand new 3 Series. Right. So therein lies the, uh, you know, the challenge with using uh, digital uh, crypto assets right now as currencies. Yeah. So why is that happening? So I guess maybe from the get go, cryptocurrencies weren't really currencies. They're more assets. Uh, yeah. Well, but so the interesting thing is actually, so with Bitcoin though, in the original white paper, mm-hmm. it was intended as a currency. Does it matter? Their intention? Yes and no, right? Because um, like, who manages Bitcoin? It's not like it's, like it's managed and run by one person. No, it's managed by Bitcoin core um, team, of, team of developers. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so I mean, so I think, you know, Bitcoin's origins are interesting, right? Because it's creator um, Satoshi... Nakamoto, who's not—that's not a real name, right? No you one knows. Know if it's like a right? Japanese person. Yeah, no one to this day, no one knows who who uh, Satoshi Nakamoto is. If he is one person at all, he could also be a group of people. You know, crazier theories have have come where it's like he's Ooh, a time traveler. All right, it was created by the NSA or some three-letter letter government agency. Probably Al Gore. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, or maybe it's a it's a three hundred pound guy in, the, in his mom's basement named Chad. Could be. That's a, that's that's a Ready Player One yeah. reference. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. But what makes it interesting is that you know with Satoshi Nakamoto is that he still holds a lot of Bitcoin. How much and, are we talking about? 
uh, millions. I think it's five million, if I remember correctly. Um, five million crypto, uh, uh, five million Bitcoin. Five million Bitcoin. Is that what is that of the market cap of uh, the? So the t- total supply of Bitcoin is. Sorry, it might be not be five million. Total supply of Bitcoin is twenty-one million. Yeah. So Satoshi. So what he, what's interesting about Satoshi Nakamoto mm-hmm. is that um, he is believed to hold somewhere around one million Bitcoin. So one million out of twenty-one million supply. Yeah. So five right percent um, right. of the of the entire supply there will ever be. That's a lot. Yes. Bitcoins have actually dropped quite a bit from its peak. Correct. earlier this year right yep. um like what would you say is like a total evaluation of, of bitcoin right now the, oh no, so the total market is 263 billion and okay. bitcoin is generally around half of it so about 100 billion okay uh 130 or so so that's still 100, 5 billion 100, 120 billion okay so that's 24 billion no one 20th so yeah that's that's like that's like six six billion six, six billion, billion dollars. yeah that's a lot of but money keep in mind not the 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 full 21 million the full 21 million is not yet in circulation right right it's still being mined um, right and so, so uh, yeah so that's a, another thing right percentage. could you get into the kind of the mining of a bitcoin or cryptocurrency sure um so so mining is actually if you think back to what we talked about a bit earlier on the podcast about verifying transactions right that's mining mining mm. is just is just the the all the different nodes on the bitcoin or whatever coin network mm-hmm. um verifying the transactions now so the question is then becomes you know why do people want to spend you know their computer re- computing resources electricity you know uh processor time to verify these transactions mm-hmm. and so um so you know satoshi designed what's called proof of work Mm-hmm. So where um, where basically you know these computers you're, you're spending you're spending your computing resources to verify these transactions mm-hmm. in order to potentially earn uh, Bitcoin for doing that. Right. Right. It's a reward you get. So it's a yeah. So it's a self-regulating uh, and self-policing network. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and as a miner, then you're incentivized to keep the network secure because you're getting paid uh, to, to keep to keep the Bit- Bitcoin network secure because you're getting paid in Bitcoin. I see. Right. So, so it was actually. I mean, it's a brilliant design because when you think about the security aspect, right? How do you protect the network from attacks? Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to do any kind of attack, then you have to be on the network, mm-hmm. right? And generally, the attack is more around, you know, how do you screw with the verification? Mm-hmm. Well, if you screw with the verification of transactions, then you have to be verifying transaction to do that. I see. Right. And so it's it's um. You know, so there's something called a 51% attack where basically to effectively attack the Bitcoin uh, network, you need to have, you need to control like 51% of the mining power. So 51% of all the nodes that are verifying transactions. Oh but if God. you're, but if you control that, you've already invested so much into, um, you know, into ownership, taking ownership of these nodes and you know these nodes are getting paid uh for verifying transactions in bitcoin mm-hmm. so why if you're so, and so you if you're earning so much bitcoin why would you want to attack the network and lower the value of your own bitcoin right interesting right? okay huh all right um so is, is there a finite amount of bitcoin to be mined yes 21 million oh i see and how much of that has been mined already so yeah about 80 about 80 percent oh wow so that's, that's pretty good yep Interesting. Um, what would you say that percentage is for most other cryptocurrencies? 
That varies quite a bit because not all of them necessarily have um, a uh, you know such a low supply and mm-hmm. or have uh, some some don't have mining, mm. right? Some uh, some are pre-mined. Um, some uh, don't necessarily have a finite supply. Mm. I see. So okay, interesting. Um, but you know, I guess like another thing that we can increase the discussion here, because you mentioned ICO, mm-hmm. which stands for Initial Coin Offering. Correct. I guess it's kind of similar to uh, IPO, which is Initial Public Offering of, of Stocks. Yes. And Conceptually. No. Yeah. Uh, yep. But uh, right, because like the, the, here's the thing, right? There are a lot of different cryptocurrencies. Correct. And Bitcoin is the biggest one, as you said, like a half of the probably the cryptocurrency market right now. But you know, it's only one, and and there are what like thousands of them right now. Yeah, there's uh, there's over. Uh, I'm trying to pull up on Core Market Cap. I think there's over like 1,400, 1,600 that are actively traded alone, mm-hmm. right? Um, but in terms of actual cryptocurrencies, including you know, ex- um, so fifteen hundred over fifteen hundred right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some that you know have not yet started actively trading. So mm-hmm. I think all in all, it's probably close to two thousand, if okay. not more. Jesus, uh, cryptocurrencies. Right. So yeah, let's let's take a step back. Explain to me ICOs. Sure, it's actually interesting. So when you think about um, when you think about you know building a new company, a tech startup, uh, for example, right? The traditional way to build a tech startup is that you have an idea, you probably find a co-founder, you guys work on it for a bit, mm-hmm. and then you find some angel investors mm-hmm. uh, to do a a seed round mm-hmm. um, of financing. Right. Right. And so what that what happens there is generally you raise like couple hundred thousand or maybe one to two million and uh-huh. uh and give the investors 10 percent of your company mm-hmm. right um and so you know so that money will probably last you a year or so give or take mm-hmm. after which you didn't have to raise a subsequent round of funding called a series a right um where you're probably raising you know a couple million maybe up to five million uh-huh. uh, or 10 million these days um and you give away another you know 10 20 percent of your company and so chipping away at the, the ownership. Exactly. And so basically you kind of go through this exercise every year to two years of raising additional financing um, through subsequent rounds, series B, series C, et cetera, and give away, you know, more and more of your company um, mm-hmm. with the hope that, you know, one day your company is either you have an exit event where your company is either acquired by a larger company or uh or you uh you ipo and list on a stock exchange right right so that's kind of the traditional um way to build a uh a private company right right and turn it and and um and that generally takes uh you know if you if you're one of the lucky ones that do have an exit it takes uh probably somewhere between at least five years if not eight to ten years Mm -hmm. so so the ICO model basically flips this on its head. Okay. Right. With the ICO model, um, so initially what happened was basically, you know, you have a team that has an idea, uh-huh. that has a vision for a, uh, you know, a cryptocurrency slash a product right. to build. Uh-huh. Um, they they basically, for all intents and purposes, run a software Kickstarter mm-hmm. um, campaign to create awareness, um, build a community around it. And then they launched their ICO. Okay. Um, and so during the ICO, what happens is that they have their own new cryptocurrency, their new own new coin that they've created. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and if you want to support them, 
then you send generally it's been Bitcoin or Ethereum um, to them in exchange for getting an a like X number of their own coins back in the future. Mm. In the future. In the future, yeah. So generally, well, it's been done both ways. I mean, you either get it right away or you get it, uh, you know, probably like in a couple weeks just uh-huh. because it takes them time to build the actual smart contract uh-huh. um, and to create their own uh, coin or token. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, and so, so ba- and so basically, uh, you know, even last year, it was quickly getting to the point where, you know, ICOs were raising uh, 15 million, then 30 million, then, um, you know, 100 million, then 200 million um, for some of the more notable, uh, you know, ICOs last year, like Tezos, which a lot of people have heard of, or, uh, you know, Filecoin. Um, and so so the idea is basically that you, uh, people are, you're, you're basically, you know, funding the development of a product that you get to use in the future. Right. So okay. same as Kickstarter, basically. You're pledging towards uh, making this this product and this idea a reality, uh-huh. and you're pledging for development costs up front. You're saying, the way you're describing it, ICO is not, ICO actually is funding a product or a company. I thought people were pitching in ICOs just as investments, not really caring for what they make or what's behind it. Yeah, so 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 what I just explained was the underlying mechanics, mm-hmm. um, and then now we add in the market forces mm-hmm. of this being, you know, very uh, very new technology mm-hmm. um, and a very uh, you know popular space. Right. Um, and the I think the big difference is you know with the going back to like the traditional startup way of fundraising right mm-hmm. the you know the, the the angel round the series a b c right um the difference is you know the only people that could access those are accredited investors right. which in the u.s means you have uh i think it's like two years of over two two consecutive years of over two hundred thousand in income on your tax return or uh over a million assets if you're an individual mm-hmm. and it's i think like three hundred thousand for uh for um a uh, couple, um, and so 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 it's you know it's a much smaller set of individuals mm-hmm. uh, that can invest in these, um, and you know in subsequent like when you're talking like Series A, B, C, like those basically it's only venture capital firms, mm-hmm. um, and so so you know like your average uh, mom and pop cannot access these investments. Where the difference with ICOs is that. You know, anyone that can basically figure out how to how to work a Bitcoin wallet or Ethereum wallet mm-hmm. can invest in these ICOs. It, it kind of dim, dim, there, there's no bar. Correct. There's, there's no there's bar. Um, yeah. Um, on one side, I think people view it as, you know, you're democratizing investing. Right. And then I think on the other side, potentially it's, you know, if if there are bad actors, right, you could be scamming people. Right. But it's no difference, honestly, than, you know, if you're investing in, for example, penny stocks. You know, mm. there's been people that, especially, yeah, if you got in at like, you know, 12, uh, 13 even, um, and, you know, as long as you didn't lose the majority of your holdings in Gox, I, I have friends who are retired now <laughs> because they got in so early and they, because they, you know, for example, put a couple hundred thousand back in back then mm-hmm. and just held it this whole time. And you get like 10x right. or 20x. You, you're getting, no, you're getting like 100, 200x. <laughs> oh my God. 
hundred X on on yeah. So they're like retired. They're retired for life, basically. Yeah, like on, I mean, you know, they're not living extravagantly, but uh, it's still very. You can't live extravagantly right? with that money. <laughs> and and it's and it's also yeah. At that point, you just you know you just have your money work for you, and from right. passive income alone, you can mm-hmm. make. Uh, I think what we're making, right, mm-hmm. um, easily, and so so you have that. Um, and it's it's been interesting because actually. I think part of what you're seeing in the space is in some ways it's a little bit of a changing of the guard where you have some like, you know, these people who got in so early and they've made so much money that some of them are just, you know, they've cashed out right. over the past few months and are now just retired. <laughs> and you have the um, but you also have like a new generation um, that basically I think a lot of people that have gotten involved, at least in terms of in for of their time. Mm-hmm. last year um who are actually building uh companies building products via icos I so, see. so uh, they're using ico as a, as a method of funding exactly because if you think about a startup founder right um it's basically do you want to you know raise uh do you want to you know raise money basically every year do this dog and pony show and give away uh, more and more of your company each time right or do you want to raise uh you know basically enough to build for two three four years up front all in one go and then just focus on building so let's say you raise funds through ico mm-hmm. for your company yep. don't what do the investors get back don't so they get the share of your company no no uh the if you invest into ico you uh-huh. just get back the tokens right so so you get back so let's so say is it, is it like a bond no, it's uh so it is a security. Uh-huh. It's not a registered security. Uh-huh. Right? Um so basically what you're getting back is this token which in the future you would be able to use for whatever product or service they're building. But oh, so that is actually underlying. You have to get you have to promise something. Yes. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can't just do it because you have to you have to offer your it's the initial offering of your coin. Right, that's why it's an right. ICO, and right. your coin uh, needs to do something because otherwise you would have already gotten uh, a few letters and probably a visit from the SEC, and could be potentially in jail. Right, <laughs> I heard that jail is pretty bad, uh, especially in this country. In the mass media, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of misinformation, misconceptions, right. um, and so you know, I think those of us in the crypto community are actively trying to kind of you know fight that and clear clear things up right like uh, obviously i think the big one uh, i mean i don't know if you watch the john oliver uh, covers i think that's mm-hmm. probably the one that most people like uh, average joe has watched the most yeah, yeah. I, honestly i feel like they didn't say anything wrong i thought they did a fair picture but obviously they're comedians they're trying to make it funny yeah of course so that they obviously they play up the dogecoin just the name yeah. of the, the, yeah. the, the, the cryptocurrency and the uh, having said that, man, the Bitcoin is so great. That that one is so yep. funny. Yep. Um. Do you, what what was that Bitcoin thing about? What what Bitcoin was straight up a Ponzi scheme. Interesting, because like it crashed, right? It just disappeared. Yeah, it collapsed. Yeah. 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 As most Ponzi's do. Right. Yeah. Same thing happened with Kickstarter in its early days. Right. There were just oh, straight up yeah. scam projects where projects raised, you know, tens, hundreds, thousands of dollars, um, and uh, just disappeared. Yeah, or I remember because like it gets, gets into really interesting argument about like what's the value of money or what's 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 the value, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, value is whatever people are willing to pay for it. It's whatever people believe it to be, right? Right. What is what is the U.S. dollar backed by? 
it's not gold anymore. Right. Right. It's, uh, I mean, I say this half jokingly, but it's guns and nukes, right? Yeah. It's the, I mean, it's been keeping the free world together for past yeah. 70 years. Yeah. What is like, you know, what is the euro backed by? What is the RMB backed by? <laughs> what is the yen backed by? Uh huh. Right. It's, it's basically just backed by your belief in your government. Right. And that's why in areas like Zimbabwe and Venezuela, where there's very low trust of government, the currency is worthless. Right. Right. Because yeah. you don't trust your like, and it's also even the U.S. Right. Like, if you're gonna ask, if we just go around, walk around L.A. and ask people if they trust their government, <laughs> what do you think we'll hear? <laughs> um, we'll probably hear all kinds of answers, actually. Uh, especially yeah. considering on the street, you know, there's so many, so many homeless people in L.A. So you know, I exactly. think it's gonna be a very colorful set of answers. Yes. But the but I think this is what makes it interesting because, um, in some ways, cryptocurrencies have actually kind of you know, gain mainstream prominence at exactly the right time, right? Interesting. When you look you at that way. Yeah. When you so we, when you look at right over the past couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think trust in governments are at an all time low. That's true. Um, right. With the event of you know Trumpism, nationalism, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, um, both in the U.S. and in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is I think the 08 financial collapse cr- slash crisis is still fresh on people's minds. Oh, I've, I'm uh, very, very yeah, that's really fresh. I, I'm obsessed right? with that. Yes, and I won't ever let it go until yep. they die. And I think you know millennials and many other generations uh, just have the uh, like the highest historically. Um, of any generation in terms of you know how much they distrust banks right. financial institutions mm-hmm. right and cryptocurrency is kind of the antithesis of both right it's right. it's 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 anti you know establishment anti institutions right um, anti middlemen mm-hmm. and so um, I think that that was definitely a driver in you know it rising to prominence so much last year and this year yeah no that definitely seems to be the case. Um, I think the only downside that I that I see with the cryptocurrency, and again, I, I feel like cryptocurrency gets a lot of bad rap by the you know, by the establishment or whatever you call it. That mm-hmm. they're obviously trying to downplay that, and obviously, you know, when people see s- speculative aspect of anything, they're gonna they're gonna deride that out of you know jealousy and envy a little bit. Yep. But you know, for some legitimate reason too, I feel like yeah, this the how the fact that again, I like the kind of it's like the crypto asset element. The, the asset element of it, I think, is giving it a bad name, and and I, you know, you're you're now you're but you're entering into that venture, you know, which is mm-hmm. a very brave of you. Um, what is your what is your prediction slash like outlook on that? Because like I at one point, you know, especially after I learned the basics of blockchain, I was like, oh, this is really powerful. This could change the world. Yep. And, and the, the the modern civilization as we know it, yep. uh, which you know the the effect I wouldn't even know because I'm not a sociologist or economist. But uh, I, I was worried at one point that because of all the bad rap that cryptocurrency is getting, that the blockchain might not take off as, as easily or quickly. Um, I think, you know, that concern might have been more uh, more real last year. But I mm. think now um, it's not as much of a concern. Why do you say that? Because... Because I think over the past six to eight months, we've seen um, a lot of top talent from Bay Area, from you know China, rest of Asia, all of the world are starting to enter um, into the blockchain cryptocurrency space, mm-hmm. right? Because like I said before, as a founder, you know what would you rather do? Go beg people for money every year and give away more and more of your company until you have like you know maybe five percent one percent of your company Mm. or do you want to retain most of the ownership of your company and uh and just fundraise once and then build for three four years 
Interesting. So you, the, you, what you're describing is, I guess, like the kind of entrepreneur, like startup forces are actually supporting uh, cryptocurrency Correct. and blockchain. Yeah, because what you're seeing is uh, angel investing is shifting in a huge way uh, to m- focus on cryptocurrencies. Because also for investors, it's it's much better model, right? Because uh, with these ICOs, so after you do an ICO, generally after uh, one to two months, maybe three months, um, you list your tokens, your, your coins on an exchange, mm-hmm. at which point there is liquidity for the investors to cash out if they want to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, I mean, uh, at mm-hmm. least the good projects, right, are listing often at, you know, multiples to their ICO price, 3x, 5x, 10x their ICO price. Uh-huh. And so in the span of, you know, three months, four months, five months, six months, as an investor, you've made, you know, 2x, 3x, 5x, 10x your money. Right. But I feel like that could be potentially problematic too. It could be. Because right. I it's think... It's definitely not sustainable. It's probably right. because it's so early. Right, right. Um, the volatility is too high. The volatility is high, but it it is just a... As a model, it is much... Um, it's a much faster pace than traditional right. investing. The reason I said it might be problematic is that... Well, I wonder if it, this is actually the element you're you're talking about too. Why is uh, taking off so well, and you if you feel confident about it, is that again thanks to I think Silicon Valley and you know which you know a lot of my tech friends and what I know of tech that's actually t- does a fairly accurate job in terms of the main plot points. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that I think a lot of uh, and I've seen of my direct friends who work in startup that this is a problem that VC has kind of become a monster on its own that they 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 care so little about the financial. Uh, like a financial fundamental, they focus so much just on growth and mm-hmm. sizing that a lot of uh, startups, after they get their VC money, end up collapsing because they over they they, they, they expand too quickly exactly. because of all these they pressure. Too fast. So like yeah, I guess they you know, you know with this new system, they will be kind of free of that a little bit because right. they they have the money already yep. and they don't have to answer to some powers be. Exactly. Having said that though, I feel like then we're effectively making all these startups or any private businesses. Uh, basically in a publicly traded market it's like a pre-IPO it's like an early <coughs> like because back in the days right like companies needed to grow to a very large size before you can make it to the uh, um, New York Stock Exchange like it'd be publicly traded so that the, 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 the your market cap or the value of your company is public mm-hmm. like and, and you even see companies like buying their stocks back going back to private like the Koch yep. brothers um, uh, but like now I feel like if with the system that you're describing uh, you're you're actually more open uh, more vulnerable to public scrutiny uh yes so and so there's so i think in a part of going back to kind of the ethos of crypto and blockchain is there is uh at least generally that there is more transparency to the project mm-hmm. right um because it's it's more because it's like a hybrid kickstarter <laughs> ipo model right. you have you have you uh, for a lot of projects you have a very active uh community mm-hmm. right of tens of thousands of people uh for a lot of them or even a hundred thousand people um that you have to give kind of you know monthly updates on you know here's our progress mm-hmm. uh, i see i see because they're your shareholders essentially they are and they aren't right uh-huh. because it's not equity right but at the same time you know uh when you th- because these are basically people that have pre-ordered your product right right and so you want to uh you want to treat your customers well so that they'll actually use your product when it right. launches uh-huh. right um and you want to build you want to build that brand and build that trust and so um you know all these all these ico teams have active community managers mm-hmm. um have active you know group chats on discussion groups on generally telegram 
um, and provide yeah monthly uh, monthly updates uh, and at least quarterly if not generally monthly updates mm. um, provide you know clear roadmap that they update uh, have a lot of their you know a, a lot of projects have their code base on github because a lot of these are actually open source projects I see That's um, good. and so yeah so in general it's it's actually a lot more transparent than any uh, you know VC back company which I are generally see. highly secretive Right, right. Okay, that is positive. Uh, yep. But no, again, I'm I'm going back to though. Like, I'm just again, I'm I'm thinking worst case scenario mm-hmm. that with ICOs, like let's say I want I don't want this one company to do well. Yeah. I could easily go into like I could like you know buy like half of the volume of the the of the coin after the initial coin offering, and I could just like just sell it to, to purposely like uh, make the company look really bad. Like you I, could, I could, but it would cost you millions of millions of dollars. Which is, fr- which, you, but this is the ability that I didn't used to have. It is, but um, so so part of the, and it's interesting again because part of the nat- nature of like cryptocurrency markets kind of protect against that because uh for you know for a, a lot of these coins right, because they're once again bear assets. A lot of times they, you know, a lot of people, a lot of these coins appreciate over time. So uh-huh. a lot of people are just holding them and not actively buying or selling them. And so right. your your uh the amount the percentage of tokens that are traded on any exchange at any given time is actually really low relative to the total supply. Interesting. And so for you to accumulate such a sizable position, um it would one it would take very long. Uh-huh. Um and because even if you're buying OTC there's just not that much volume. It's, so you're and saying it's not a very liquid market. It's not. Yeah, it's not very liquid. Okay. Okay. And so, uh, so you know, for you to crash the price, you'd be like hurting yourself, uh, right? A lot as well, uh-huh. if not more than others, if you own like the majority right. of the <laughs> coins. I feel like there's still though, like a, a kind of competitive way to like use this in a kind of like hostile takeover type of situation, or vice versa. Yeah, hostile takeovers get interesting. There hasn't been one that's happened, but there's been some discussion around what would that look like. Right, that's kind of exciting. Yeah, right? if you're if you're if you're if you're a shark and who, who, who <laughs> relish at the idea, because it just gives you more tools financially yeah. to c- compete in a way. Yeah, and you know whatever's game is game, right? Like, yeah. as long as it's not illegal. But uh, no, that's that's good. Like, I think I think the biggest thing I've t- I've taken away from this is that again, I thought ICO just as kind of like a again a speculative thing, but really what we're talking about, ICO is like a really the kind of the. Um, as I said, the democratized like kick, it's like a Kickstarter VC funding, yeah. uh, which is that again. That's really amazing. I yeah. actually didn't even think about that. So it, it brings more value to blockchain and yeah. cryptocurrency. Yeah, the the basically the the sky high view slash one on is that, you know, basically what we have with cryptocurrencies and blockchain ICOs is, uh, if, if we kind of you know ana- uh, draw the analogs to the 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 internet boom and mm-hmm. slash bubble of the 90s that if you could invest in you know http <laughs> tcp ip right. back in the early 90s uh-huh. right if you as a normal person could invest in that uh-huh. that's what we have now i see right? is that you're investing in the building blocks of this new technology mm. and that's what's really exciting that that is exciting so th- man i i I don't know what I was expecting, and I, I was actually like, I guess, a little uh, afraid because my knowledge in the subject is limited. And uh, obviously, I've only mostly communicated with you in a 
in a in, in a very uh, a mean spirited uh, uh, a humorous <laughs> I would like to think way. Of but you've done a, such an amazing job kind of outlining it, uh, contextually what this oh, means. Thank you. So I'm, uh, that's really awesome. Um, let me just talk real quick though on the blockchain side as well, especially mm-hmm. so ICOs aside, when you talk about um, large companies adopting blockchain, mm-hmm. right? As we said as we said earlier, um, you know blockchains can be can basically replace a lot of the things that are basically done on currently on accounting teams mm-hmm. and just any kind of back office function. So you're saying you're telling uh, uh, right now the high school kids to not major in accounting. Yeah, you probably shouldn't. <laughs> if you, it's probably not the best idea. Short term, CPAs are going to do great because no one knows what to do with their taxes. Right, right. Uh, in regards to crypto. But long term, it's uh, it's something that a computer can easily do. God, can you imagine that? Just like it's like, oh yeah, I mean, obviously drivers are gonna go away, cashiers are gonna go yep. away, but like accountants, <laughs> it's gonna yeah. go away. Yeah, finance a lot of like finance people too. Um, like commercial well, banking, at least. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, just because when you think about when you think about large companies, right? Think about how big their accounting departments are. Yeah. How big their finance teams are. Uh-huh. Right. Um, is that necessary? Um, when you think about logistics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, part of a lot of logistics is just like, is this, is this package here? Yes. It, or is this package here? No. It, where is it going? This place. Right. right. Uh, you could easily put all that in the blockchain, mm. right? So you don't have your package end up in Alaska anymore for no what no <laughs> for no clear reason. Right. Um, because the reality is, you know, in, in the logistics space, a lot of it's still pen and paper. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe not UPS with their systems, but like you know the 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 shipping yeah the, boats, the, the containers yeah. yeah the factories it's all very manual mm-hmm. um and so and when you think about uh you know again reducing fraud in supply chain right when you think right. about luxury goods Ooh, right knockoff yeah. handbags how mm. do you and in in the future you could you know you could say well i know this bag the you know the leather came from it got leather from here it was you know uh in the leather got cut and like you know uh manufactured like you know refined here um it got assembled in this factory and then now it was sent to the store so you're saying that because of blockchain like i guess i got a lot of logistical information of like i guess like that's kind of trace of any product that we make mm-hmm. can be easily traceable yep yep and authenticity as well right verified all those uh, knockoff bags. It's, it's a big market. I mean, an- another example is, um, you know, I think we're dealing a lot right now with data privacy and keeping your own information <sighs> secure, right? Yeah, and shit. so, <laughs> you know, one 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 possible uh, scenario is that you know in the future you control your data. Right. It actually follows you, mm-hmm. and it doesn't it doesn't stay with you know uh facebook google whoever right right you have your own personal blockchain and you give people permission to access you know parts of it um for example medical records right every Mm -hmm. time i go to a new doctor um living in la sometimes it's just like okay who has availability who Mm -hmm, can see mm -hmm. me today right you 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 have to like basically verbally give them all your all your medical history because there's no way in hell there there's no nowhere for them to pull it from it's in a thousand different places right right um, and imagine a future where, you know, you have your own personal health blockchain that you take with you. And so when you go to the doctor, you you let them just access it and you make an entry into it. So these are all great. And we're taking, talking conceptually, but how would it manifest in an actual like like technology? Is it going to be in our phones? Is it going to be a chip in our wrists? Like, 
Uh, I mean, it could be many different ways, right? I mean, the phone is definitely a good place because mm-hmm. you know we all have one; we carry it everywhere. Right. Right. Um, or it could I also carry my wrist around everywhere. <laughs> you do. Yeah. But I think some people have issues with you know putting chips inside ourselves. Yeah, but uh, yes, yeah, I mean, you know, I, because because at the end of the day, it's all data, right? So it's right. gonna be f- it. It could also just you know float around somewhere mm-hmm. in the ether, so to speak. <laughs> It'll be but, nice uh, to kind of decentralize. I mean, that, I guess that was a thing like uh, 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 Minority Report. Obviously, mm-hmm. was really ahead of its time. I mean, that was based on a book too, right? Yep. I don't know. Maybe the technology in the movie was from the book, but then you know, like they just scan like your eye irises and stuff, and like you know, uh, hopefully you have to some some central database that has everything. So mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of your your blockchain slash your identity will be on the cloud. Yep. Like it's some, some some sort of decentralized system that connects to you know without being invasive to our bodies. That would be yeah, nice. Exactly, and it's also the beauty of decentralized is that. You know, in some ways, it's a lot harder to attack, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like my <laughs> credit cards and banks are getting compromised all the time. Me they, too. You know, I'm like, I remember for a f- for a few years, every year, City would send me a new credit card out of the blue because they're like, "Oh, your account was, you know, compromised and uh, hacked." Oh, that, that that's we, your problem. There, yeah. you're 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 with City. <laughs> Might as well go with Wells Fargo if you feel that way. Got to, got to, got to, got to, got to transfer to Chase, man. Yeah, I have, I have a lot of yeah. Chase cards. I have a lot Again, of Chase speaking cards. of cryptocurrency, Jamie yeah. Diamond, you yeah. know that that dude that is definitely gonna forth. be ahead of this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, you know, circling back to a bit about uh, my fun cipher alpha and what we're right. trying to do. Um, so you know, so for us, uh, I think you know we've been in this space for for a bit of time now, mm-hmm. and we're very bullish. On the actual, on the underlying technology. For, 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 for a normal bullish mean. Oh, bullish as in very, uh, very excited, very supportive. Optimistic. Optimistic. Yes. Yes. Of, Sorry, God. Yeah, no, <laughs> no worries. Um, you know, of this technology. So we are launching a fund that primarily focuses on investing into uh, ICOs mm-hmm. um, as early as possible. So sometimes, uh, so so like I said earlier, um, either at the private pre-sale stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's before the ICO. Correct. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's before the ICO um, or even taking advisory roles for these startups. Um, uh-huh. or, or even earlier in their uh, seed round. So what's happened now is that the ma- space has actually quickly matured. Right. And so it's not, I mean, if you could think, kind of think back to Kickstarter, the same thing happened where it used to be you just, you know, whip up some 3D renderings that look cool mm-hmm. and then you raise like a couple hundred thousand dollars on Kickstarter. Right. But then, you know, more recently, um, people, you know, people have, enough people have got, gotten burned enough times that they want to see an actual working uh, uh, MVP, which is short for minimum viable product or a prototype, if you will. Um, nice. And so similar things happening in the ICO space where, you know, people generally want to see some kind of alpha or beta mm-hmm. um, product before uh, before contributing to the ICO. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a lot of teams are raising kind of in somewhat more traditional seed equity round of, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, half a mil, just mm-hmm. to get the initial team up and to have some, you know, funding and runway to build that initial prototype mm-hmm. before doing the broader ICO. So this way, it's 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 investing your future, right? It's 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 making the initial initial investment, um, so that you will run a successful ICO. I see. So you you're thinking about doing kind of the advisory role of like actually advising these companies 
or, or ventures yeah. to do an ICO. Correct. I mean, yeah. So it could be because you know we've seen we've seen the space basically grow and mature uh, over the past year. Right. And um, we've seen a ton of projects, so we we have a good sense of what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And we're also just very active investors. We all come from you know startup. Uh, backgrounds right um, or you know startup and or management consulting backgrounds and have experience you know growing companies building companies and right. so we want to uh, we want to help all our investments succeed right that's good yeah because like again it seems like it makes you guys more competitive and, and more reliable because again for an average Joe or average Brian like me I only hear the noise through the media uh, you you're trying to bring some legitimacy uh, and I guess like make the ICOs more robust and you, it seems like you're really taking a, almost like a kind of a, a VC or like an angel investor approach uh, to these companies exactly um, nice very nice and uh, yeah like I remember you know you I I, I, I remember uh, uh, you going through your own like you know kind of kickstarty like a phase with, with your, your startup uh, in the past too yep. so I believe you when you say that oh thank you yeah. yeah and I've also had the I think you know in my time in the space I've had the uh I've been fortunate enough and had the opportunity to work with uh, two very good syndicates as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so syndicates are basically groups of investors. Mm-hmm. Just because, uh, you know, I think even in tr- the traditional VC space and much more in cryptocurrency, there's just so much happening at any given time right. that it's good to have. Like, in some ways, it's a support group, but it's also you know we uh, we do uh, you know we do diligence, we do research on potential investments together. Right. Um, we uh, a lot of times, you know, we'll we'll kind of give each other heads up on interesting investments coming up, mm-hmm. um, and so it's kind of like uh, yeah, it's like, like it's like an investor support group, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been very fortunate to be part of uh, both Rocket Fuel mm-hmm. and uh, Turing Capital um, in in my crypto journey. Could you repeat the the name of your fund again? Uh, Cipher Alpha. They can go to our site, cipheralpha.com. Mm, nice, good stuff, man. What else? What else is going on in your life, Luke? Uh, not much. I mean, I was just just, just, just crypto twenty four seven. Mostly crypto. It. Yeah, I was just in Asia for two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I was judging a blockchain competition. And All then, right. Uh, Wait, how do you compete in a in a blockchain? Um, I mean, basically, it's no different than any startup competition, right? It's it's basically um, you know, you have a bunch of startups that kind of submitted uh their pitch decks to uh-huh. be considered. And then we, um, you know, select fr- from all those submitted, we selected a uh, number of finalists to come and present in person mm-hmm. um, in Singapore. Ooh. And so uh, so they, you know, uh, th- all the startups kind of presented to a panel of judges. The judges voted mm-hmm. um, to kind of select the uh, the winners. Nice. Very nice. Um, you said you might be going back to the tracks. Uh, I think eventually, I think as uh, for now, I think, um, just, I think in general, it's important to have balance in your life. Uh, I think, you know, if you do focus on any one thing, uh, hundred percent, 24 seven, it is easier to get burnt out. And so, mm-hmm. you know, so for me, uh, I think my biggest passion aside from cryptocurrencies and technology is cars. Right. And, uh, you know, it was just, even yesterday I was just kind of, you know, cleaning, cleaning out some car parts, doing some basic maintenance on my car. I didn't know you did that yourself. Yeah, I tried to. Nice. Um, and, you know, it just felt, it just felt really, it just felt really good. Uh, is uh. for me, it's calming. It's, um, it's kind of puts me in like a Zen state mm. whenever I'm working or interacting with cars. And mm. so I think it's nice to have that break 
from you know whatever you're doing because then it actually clears your mind it gives you better perspective and allows you to refocus and be more effective you're you're one of those what do you call it grease monkeys uh much less so much less so than i used to be I, so like what got you? I mean, you weren't even course two or anything. What, what got you into not. cars? Um, I sorry, course two is mechanical engineering. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's gone. That's right. And uh, uh, so for me, uh, even when I was a little kid, you know, I just like playing with Matchbox cars. Oh. And then um, it was really you know in high school when I got my first car, mm-hmm. um, that I started really getting into it. Mm. Um, I think you know a lot of us kind of went through this phase in high school, but for me, I think. Is a bit more than just a phase. Mm. Um, in some ways, it, r- it runs my family. I mean, my, you know, my my grandfather, um, uh, you know, worked in transportation. My 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 father also, uh, you know, like cars, but definitely not to the degree that um, that you know I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, uh, so I got my first car in high school, which was a '99 Mitsubishi Eclipse GS. Which right. was the not ter- not the turbo nor the all wheel drive version. It was just a regular front wheel drive uh-huh. with a neon uh, engine. Damn. Uh, so it was not very fast. And uh-huh. I was trying to figure out how to make it fast. And basically, the prevailing wisdom was that if you want to make this car fast, your best bet is to sell it and get the turbo <laughs> version with all wheel drive. And so I did that. So I found one uh-huh. uh, that, and I was I was uh, able to actually sell my non turbo non all-wheel drive version for the same price as the turbo all-wheel drive one so i basically trade tra- traded cars damn um and then after i got that car which was uh i mean it was an ego talon but uh-huh. basically the same thing as mitsubishi clips just different front and rear bumpers mm-hmm. um <clears throat> i started modifying it more and more and i still have that car today with uh you know with a swapped evo 3 motor um and uh you know and basically most mechanical parts on the car are replaced. Oh wow! Uh, but yeah, you've held on to this car for like fifteen years. More, right? Uh, it would be more. Jesus, yeah. It's, it's I've had it for a while. What's it, what's it, do, you, do you have a name for your car? No, I actually what? Don't really I thought that was like a thing. Cars. No, Judy. Me, I don't really name them. <laughs> Sandra. <laughs> is that is that what you name your cars? No, I don't do that either. Because I but I don't care about cars. <laughs> No, like I respect that. I mean, obviously, I mean you've you've talked to Lawrence, right? Yeah. Like, he's like a p- pretty big car, and I, yeah. I, he told me how in high school he would like sell and like trade car parts and you know mm-hmm. work on like things a lot, and yep. he still does. Or not not sell car parts, but like you know, work on his car quite a bit. It's yep. quite a craftsman. Um, why didn't you uh, uh get into? Did you think about maybe like majoring in like mechanical engineering, or, like electrical engineering, like something like that? Uh, a little bit, but for me, like, I feel like I have. I have like pretty varied interests. So like I was also, you know, I, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed coding computer science. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I came into MIT actually wanting to graduate and eventually start my own video game studio. Mm. Um, cause you know, I like, I like gaming, Yeah. but, uh, I, so, and then I interned, you know, I interned freshman summer at, at one of the Activision studios. Oh. Um, but I just found They're that. Here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was actually up in SF actually. Oh shit. Uh, okay. Right. Up there. But, um, I just found that, you know, for me, the pace wasn't quite what I was looking for. Right. Um, and I think, you know, I think that uh, uh, for me, it's also like I'm not the most creative person. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so I preferred, you know, I so I ended up going into uh, management consulting at McKinsey and then um, going into, uh, you know, tech and startups. Right. Uh, just because I think I'm more of the, 
you know, not necessarily numbers, but more of like the analytical side and less right. the creative side. Got it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I wanted to ask you about your uh, one cool thing. So there's a film I watched recently that mm-hmm. uh, I really enjoyed. Uh-huh. It's a Chinese film uh-huh. called The X-Files 3. Um, oh, so it's shit. actually the third installment. Oh, yeah, damn. so it's right. actually a series of films. Uh-huh. Um, but it's No relation to the American TV show X-Files. No relation. It's EX. Oh, it makes so much more sense now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Go on. Sorry. Yeah, but um, I think it's, uh, it's... I think it really hits home in terms of I think especially I think people people like us right in like their uh you know late 20s or 30s mm-hmm. um and a lot of the things that we deal with in relationships I think it's it's good to I think it's good to kind of see also that you know what we're each dealing with is stuff that a lot of people deal with too it's not just that it's not something that's you know necessarily unique to us it's a shared experience that a lot of people go through Mm -hmm. um and i think it's good to see that get that perspective and to better ground yourself i should have prepared something else if you're going to bring a movie and i think my last long cool thing was ready player one both the book and the movie but i watched another movie yesterday actually it's called the quiet place i don't know if you've seen the advertisement for it but it's a horror Mm -hmm. movie starring emily blunt and john krasinski from uh the office Mm -hmm. and uh the concept is that in this world there are these monsters that overrun earth um, that are blind but can hear sound so yep. very simple premise uh, the movie blew me away it was done really? so well wow. and uh, another really remarkable part about this movie is that it's actually directed by john krasinski hmm. i mean who would have wow. known right yeah i mean did, did, you watch, did you watch the office of course yeah Love what's the office. his char- character's name Jim. Yeah, you, who would have thought that Jim was gonna come out and like you know become a movie director? Wow. But awesome. uh, yeah, that's that's all I got. Is there anything else? Uh, no, I think that's it. Thanks for being on the show, Luke. Thank you so much for having. This me. is a Brian Koo show with Luke Shea, episode eleven, recorded on April seventh. Thank you, Luke. Thank you. <laughs>